Labyrinths is brought to you by Knox Robinson Productions. Please consider becoming a patron. For as little as $5 a month, you can listen to Labyrinths ad-free. Visit patreon.com slash Knox Robinson to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. God, are we getting old? Why? It's just another year. Uh, yes, we're getting old. Okay, well, all right. And then we're going to die. <laughs> Starting the year off right. <laughs> Feeling lost? Then you're in the right place. I'm Amanda Knox. No, wait, what? <laughs> I was about to say, why does this feel weird in my mouth? <laughs> Feeling lost? Then you're in the right place. I'm Amanda Knox. And I'm Christopher Robinson. And this is, is Labyrinths. It never occurred to me that, like, I don't actually, even in my brain, think of what you're saying anymore. After I, I was, like, caught between, are you in the right place? Are you in the right space? So this episode is about the secrets to a happy marriage. <laughs> All right. Happy uh, 2024. Happy New Year. I hope you're not sick like us. <laughs> Starting off strong. <laughs> yeah. Way to start the year. Uh, just get all the diseases out at the very beginning. So we wanted to reflect on the last year for a moment and tell you a little bit about what we're hoping and imagining and dreading for the coming year. <laughs> Why are you dreading so much? I haven't dreaded. Well, no, wait, never mind. If you're not dreading, you're not paying attention. That's true. And maybe dread is just a strong word. I mean, We're, we'll get into this. We'll get into the dread. <laughs> So first, I thought we could talk about the thing we gave up in 2023 and what it was like to pick it back up again. In 2023, we decided on a whim to do dry January. And a few weeks into dry January, we found out Amanda was pregnant. So we decided to, on a whim do dry 2023 because yeah. we were going to be dry for the most part anyway. And so we figured, hey, why not? Yeah, we had done nine months of sobriety on the first pregnancy. And, you know, what's three months more, right? And it turned out it was fairly easy. Yeah, I think that once we figured out what it was that we actually desired at the end of the day, which wasn't necessarily alcohol, it was 
a special evening drink. And as soon as we figured that out, we found an alternative special evening drink. Chris discovered non-alcoholic beer, which is... Fake beer is so good. I yeah. love it. I'm, I'm the biggest proponent of fake beer. In fact, you might say that I have a fake drinking problem now because <laughs> I can pound five or six of those a night with no consequence. You're a non-alcoholic. <laughs> And you found kombucha. Yeah, nothing is quite the same as wine. Yeah, unfortunately, the fake wine industry has yet to find a, a breakthrough. They're still stuck in the glorified grape juice category. Yeah, it's it's bad. So I went through and had gone this the whole year somewhat craving wine every so often. It wasn't bad. It wasn't like at the end of the day, I'm just like, oh God, how many days until 2024? Yeah. Um, but there were moments like at Christmas hmm. that was um, tough for me because, uh, well, not tough. I It was not that bad. But one of the, my favorite family traditions that really defines Christmas for me is Feuerzangenbola, which for those of you who do not know what that is, it is fire wine. It's like Glühwein, which is that spiced mulled wine that's very well known. But there's one added element to it. You put that Glühwein into a pot and then you have this little holder on top that holds a sugar cone a cone of sugar that you can buy at any European market. And you drench that in 151 and light it on fire. And it's it's not just for the caramely, yummy, alcoholic flavors that then drip down into the mulled wine. It's also for just the effect of it. It's always like a centerpiece of my Christmas family tradition where we all sit around and watch, you know, the sugar caramelize and melt down into the, um, the mulled wine. And so when that was happening this year and I couldn't partake, I was a little bummed out. I feel like this might be the most broy thing that you're into. Really? Because yeah, it's like, like fire and alcohol. 151, bro, and you light it on fire. <laughs> it's the only time I've ever been caught buying 151, let me say. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, yeah, I guess so. Well, that's what you get for having a yeah, alcoholism I mean, in the family. <laughs> the thing that was a lot harder is in 2023, a few months in, Amanda also walked up to me one morning and said, you know what? I'm done with coffee. Yeah. And I was like, what? <laughs> you know, she had been cutting back to one cup a day because of the pregnancy, but then she just decided, I don't even know why. Why did you decide that? Well, because I kept hearing stories about my Oma. So my Oma had to be hospitalized this year uh, for a fair amount of time because she fell. And while she was in the hospital, there were many a day where she had to fast and it wasn't so much the food that was a problem for her. It was the coffee. She was addicted to caffeine and in the morning would be somewhat delirious, just constantly begging for coffee. And I just had that vision of my Oma in my mind. And I, I felt so bad for her. And I also was like, man, I, I just don't want to be in that situation where I can't get through a morning without injecting myself with caffeine yeah it just felt it felt even more of an icky uh addiction than alcohol to me and mm. i just at a like it was just the last straw i was just like you know what 
I am so done with this substance. Honey, I'm done with this yeah. substance. <laughs> and because I'm ride or die, I quit caffeine too. And when we say quit, we didn't totally quit. We went to decaf. And decaf yeah. does have a tiny amount of caffeine. So we're getting, you know... 10 to 20 milligrams of caffeine a day. As opposed to... As opposed to a few hundred. Yeah. I think a cup of coffee has like 80 to 90. And we were drinking a few cups of coffee a day. Yeah, we were at least drinking two to three cups. So we're probably getting somewhere from, you know, two to 300 milligrams of caffeine a day. And the first couple of weeks of quitting caffeine were... Oh my God. Rough. They were... We were just zombies. Yeah. But fairly quickly, I found that I was sleeping better. Mm-hmm. I did not need caffeine in the morning to mm-hmm. feel alert and awake. Mm-hmm. My digestion was better. Mm-hmm. My I have mild sort of reflux, and that calmed down a little bit. It did, yeah. And we still have a cup of decaf in the morning, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe several cups, and I don't miss it. Yeah, I'm I'm good. And if I'm Ciao. ever in an airport on a trip, and it's seven a.m. I am no longer beholden to bad airport coffee. And those long lines. Yeah. yeah. I just, I'll just not have it. Yep. We're right? good. And I don't need a burnt espresso shot from a Starbucks barista. Exactly. It's the best. So Everyone should quit caffeine. And, you know, we had read Michael Pollan's book, This Is Your Mind on Plants. And he has a chapter all about caffeine. And he quit caffeine for the writing of that book. And that also influenced me. Because the way he told it is that he found that he couldn't concentrate. He couldn't focus when caffeine was out of his life. There is actually a a kind of focusing, performance-enhancing aspect to caffeine. But I think the problem is that the feeling of clarity you get from that cup of coffee is, you know, 80% curing your caffeine withdrawal. Yeah. And then 20% a little boost of focus. So, yeah. So the... The main point, I think, is that now going into 2024, having felt the benefits of quitting alcohol and caffeine over the course of 2023, we're now taking a more mindful approach to these substances. We're not saying we're never going to have them again, but we want to be not just casual users of them and instead mindful users. Yeah, so if intentional. We, yeah, if we really need, if we need to stay up all night, we could have a, a cup of coffee and it'll work. Um, and in fact, last month I did my first ever all night meditation set at our local Zen center uh, in sort of honor of the the Buddha's all night meditation that led to his enlightenment. And it was from 10 p.m. to 7 a.m. And every two hours, they brought around a green tea service, which I indulged in. Um, I was not ashamed about like you There's know, not that much caffeine some... in green tea. No, there's not a ton. But I had over that nine-hour period, you know. How many green teas Well, every you... time it was offered, I took yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, okay. You know? So, yeah. but that's exactly the kind of circumstance where I would want to take it, right? Um, and likewise for alcohol. So as New Year's rolled around, we began thinking, okay, you know, maybe we're going to have alcohol on special occasions. Yeah. New Year's is a great special occasion. Our our wedding anniversary might be another one. But not like, you know, we went through plenty of birthday parties in 2023 without drinking. Yep. Right? That doesn't hit our threshold for special Family occasion. barbecue doesn't count. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, so we decided to have a drink on New Year's Eve. And... Hooey! Yeah. Is that alcohol alcoholic? I know. A, a year <laughs> of not smelling it even, just the whiff of wine. I was just like, oh, this contains gasoline. <laughs> <laughs> ah, eau de gasoline. Yeah, you can just smell the, the ethanol in there. <laughs> And I have to say, I tried several drinks. I I kind of sipped. I had a little honey mead. I had a nice red wine. I had a, a glass of scotch. And then we had champagne. And then we had a, a glass of nice champagne. We bought a bottle of Moet to celebrate. And all of those things I was underwhelmed by. <laughs> and I used to love a good glass of scotch and mm. a good glass of red wine. And... I don't know if it's my palate readjusted or... Yeah, I think you need to acquire the taste Yeah, again. or I need to dull my palate to the taste of ethanol hmm. because the, the alcohol presence in the wine was It just was a so, little distracting. Yeah, yeah, it was so strong it overwhelmed the other notes in the wine. Mm-hmm. I and agree. I didn't enjoy it as much. And I also... I didn't enjoy the alcohol buzz as much. Interesting. I, I didn't find myself going, ah, there's that feeling I right. need. Right. You know what? That's true. It wasn't like. Which makes me think that relief. feeling really is just the, the withdrawal. Hangout. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Oh, it's been a, a 24 hours since I had a beer, you know? Yeah. Ugh. And Gross. I did wake up the next morning. I chugged a few glasses of water to make sure I wouldn't be hung over, even though I only had like the equivalent of maybe two and a half drinks. Yeah. But nonetheless, I didn't sleep as well. I woke up kind of groggy. Dry mouth. Yeah. Yeah. I, d- I did not come away thinking, yay, alcohol. Yeah. I, I came away thinking, I can go another stint without this. And so, you know, when our anniversary is coming up, Amanda's like, well, let's we can share a bottle of wine on our anniversary. And, and right now, as of today, I, I don't know if I want to. Hmm. What That's I, fair. What I, I may want to. is a bit of sake next time we have sushi. Yeah, let's try that sake. We'll see. Situation. Maybe we'll go for our anniversary to uh, a sake and mm. sushi bar. That's a good idea. All right, deal. So this has now become a new tradition. We gave up alcohol for 2023. Yeah, Chris brought this up uh, on New Year's Eve. He was like, so what are we quitting for 2024? And I was like, oh, I hadn't considered that. But immediately I was like, oh, you know what I don't need in my life? Refined sugar. And because I'm ride or die, <laughs> I'm quitting refined sugar too, which means a whole year without my beloved ice cream. Ice cream, chocolate, yeah. gummies, anything like that. I am planning to get a tattoo very soon of an ice cream cone uh, from Ram Dass's book, Be Here Now. There's this wonderful image of a ice cream cone floating above a mountain with sun rays spreading out from it. And... I forget the exact text, but it's like, you know, will it ever be the big ice cream cone in the sky? (laughs) And, you know, he's talking about how all pleasures are impermanent and fleeting. And ice cream is a particularly good object to illustrate that point because it it drips in your hands. As you're enjoying it. And no, it's never going to sate. You're never going to like finally itch that ice cream craving mm-hmm. it'll go and then it'll return and it'll go and it'll return and 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 yet i love ice cream so i'm willing to give it up though i will that tattoo can be my ice cream for the year i guess yeah there you go yeah so that's what we're giving up doing our supercharged version of lent take that catholics 
<laughs> Just do it for 40 days. <laughs> Lame. <laughs> Hey listeners, thanks for tuning in. This podcast can only exist thanks to listener support. So please consider becoming a patron. Visit patreon.com slash Knox Robinson. Every year we also pick a word to be our focus word. You know, typically we haven't done resolutions. I think that Resolutions don't work for me for the most part. I'm going to be more this way or I'm going to I'm going to commit to doing this every day. Although I guess the quitting something is kind of a resolution. Yeah. But it but the absence feels different than a presence to me. Right, like start a new habit. Yeah. For whatever reason, resolutions haven't been our bag. But what has been our bag is kind of a focus word which is not a promise, not a commitment that you might fail, but just a, a North Star, a reminder to, you know, pin up on your wall or to float in your peripheral vision as you move through the year. So last year, mine was community. And I think we've done a great job with community in 2023. Eureka started forest school, and I've made friends with a lot of the parents from her forest school. And we became members of the local Zendo, the Puget Sound Zen Center. And that has become an unexpected community that we love. Yeah, like right after we became members, Amanda's grandfather died. And it was in the local paper. And we got a card in the mail. Do you remember what it said? Yeah, so it was from all the Sangha members. The Sangha is what's the the group of people who go to the Zendo um, are called. It's It said something like, we all meditate on the reality of impermanence, but that doesn't make it any less difficult to lose someone that we love. The Sangha is here to support you. And I was mm. just like, oh! <laughs> wow, that is exactly what I needed to I hear. Know. So rarely do you get condolences for the loss of a loved one that are not in the language of metaphysical claims. He's in heaven now. He's in, He's a, better in a better place. place. Yeah. You'll see him again one day. And as atheists and, and budding Zen Buddhists, that has never resonated for us. But, you know, you'll get sometimes like, oh, I'm sorry for your loss. Mm. But that also is not quite, it didn't go as far as like what this message did, which was like explicitly acknowledging up front the impermanence of all things and all people and all relationships. And which how is, precious Which that is like is. a bold way to mm. say, I'm sorry for your loss. Yeah. Right? Death is inevitable. Sorry for your loss. Yeah. But it's true. Yeah. And in fact, the Puget Sound Zen Center, where we're now members, is in the same building as the local funeral home. <laughs> and we had a very surreal experience when Amanda's grandfather died. Mm -hmm. We didn't realize they were the same building. Yeah. And when we went to go view the body, yeah. we walked into the Zen Center. Well, we, we drove up yeah. to it, and I was like, this is weird. Why are we going to the Zen Center? And my dad was like, we're not going to the Zen Center. We're going to the funeral home. And I was like we had this like moment of like clashing of misunderstandings because he understood it to be one thing and it was just the same building. So we walk in and in the library of the Zen Center that's full of like Zen books is my grandfather's body. 
They've wheeled it out from a cold storage area in the garage attached to the building. And he's just sitting there 20 feet from where we meditate in the meditation hall, waiting for us to view him. And then while we each like took turns saying goodbye to my grandpa, we all waited in the actual meditation hall. Yeah. And I just sat with my sisters in the meditation hall, just sort of silently reflecting on grandpa. Yeah. It was actually a nice moment. It's odd how the Zendo was sort of there for us in that moment. I know. I want to linger on your grandpa for a minute because he was a big part of the community we have on this small island where we live. And, you know, Amanda's dad grew up here and Amanda came to visit the island a lot as a kid. And Bill was, everybody knew Bill. Mm hmm. Yeah. He, he was uh, a source of community. Yes. So I think my it's grandparents. Worth honoring his passing for a moment. Yeah. My grandparents lived on this island for 50 plus years and were very, very um, just known and involved in the community, be it from my grandpa working at the K2. Uh, ski factory as a, a designer. Uh, he then went on to work at Sawbones designing fake bones fake for bones. medical uses. Yep. Um, so he's an artist and inventor and engineer. And so he's just to kind of all around figure things out and make them and make them beautiful. And like a banjo player and an upright bass player. And he did a lot of bluegrass music on the island. Yeah, and, there's a yeah. really thriving music scene on the island. And he was a part of that. So, and then how he died was kind of amazing. Like it was his birthday. And how old was he? 91. He turned 91. And we all, the whole family came over to visit him and the, his neighbors set up a, a sort of come by and say hi to Bill with your while you're walking your dog so that he can give your yeah. dog treats kind of thing. Come let Bill feed your dog a treat, basically. Yeah. And so that was how he spent his birthday was feeding all the neighbors dogs treats as everyone came by to say hi. And then that evening, he went to bed and never woke up. Mm. And one... I thought that was the most amazing way to go out, like, well done, Grandpa. And then what was really sweet was the the sort of celebration of his life that happened shortly thereafter was a kind of similar affair. It was people from the island coming out to hang out in his orchard where they had erected a stage and there were easels put up where his um, showing or showcasing his paintings. And everyone just like hung out sort of in a picnic-y sort of way in the grass, just exchanging stories about Bill. And yeah, it was there was live music, you know, people, friends, musician friends of his who came over and were just playing music for everybody. It was really, really cool. So it made me think that my grandpa had done things right. This yeah. was the kind of community that he was a part of and it loved him and, and he loved it back and you just saw it. Did it make you want to really build your community more here? I mean, yes. And I've been, I had been feeling that yeah. throughout the year and that's why I chose community as my word for last year. So anyway. We also have digital communities, which I want to briefly mention just for all of our Patreon subscribers. Thank you. Mm. You've been an invaluable support for us these last couple of years, keeping the podcast alive, and we could not make it without you. But beyond that, we're grateful for 
your commentary and your comments and your suggestions for episode topics and just for being our little online family um, as we continue this journey with you. Yeah, thank you so much. It makes us feel less lost. Uh, My word for 2023 was now. I wanted to kind of focus on being present in my own life more. And a big part of that was deepening my meditation practice, also doing a few big mushroom trips. Um, And I feel like I did a good job at that. I, as I mentioned, did my first ever all-night sit. I was hoping to do a seven-day silence retreat, but that didn't work out timing-wise because we now have two little babies. And yeah. It's difficult it's, to try and I don't want to saddle Amanda with a week. It's going to be, a, yeah. yeah, to get a whole week where you're just gone and unreachable is going to be That's tough. like, what a gift that would be to me from you. And yeah. I, we'd have to figure out how to arrange that. Yeah. So, but let's talk about our words for 2024. Yeah. So mine is balance. And as a friend of mine pointed out to me, that is the most basic word I could have picked as a, <laughs> as a mom of a toddler and a newborn. <laughs> like, obviously, balance is going to be my word. And you know what? There's a reason why it's a basic, obvious one, because it has been the transition from one to two has been a lot. And that's coming from me, who's lucky enough to have two incredibly good kids. Yeah. Really, really good kids. Like, they are not fighting me along the way, you know. Um, Both of them are incredible sleepers. Uh, Both of them have really great personalities, and they're very, very accommodating. They're good listeners. Um, Even even so, so, I am exhausted, and I'm constantly spread thin, and attempting to accommodate everyone's needs at any given time and have not felt able to meet my own needs. In fact, yesterday we were going out for a walk and Chris asked me, so what do you want to do the rest of the day? And I had just, it was, it was beyond me to think what I wanted to do. Mm. It was more like, what do I need to do for this person and this person and this person, and knowing that at the end of the day, I will not have had enough time to even meet their needs, much less mine. So I was thinking, I really, really need to figure out how to just recalibrate, um, how to balance everyone's needs, including mine, and accomplish the things that I need to accomplish and let go of the things that I need to let go and do all of that at the same time. Yeah, it reminds me of the Time Management for Mortals series on the Waking Up app, which we both really Mm. enjoyed. One of the smartest bits of wisdom from that series is basically that there are infinitely many good uses of your time like fantastic, amazing uses of your time. There are, you know, you could write symphonies, you could travel the world, you could help someone in need, you could fall in love, right? That you can enumerate infinitely the many, many, many good uses of your time. So often we find ourselves in a situation where it feels like we're stuck doing something we don't want to be doing and we'd rather be 
doing that thing we dreamed of doing, finally traveling to Paris or finally writing that novel. Or, or learning whatever. how to play the piano. Or right, whatever. yeah. And that's not a great feeling to feel like life's obligations put you in a position to have to do certain tasks. And meanwhile, your dream is festering. But the, the bigger point is that even if you were able to only pursue your dreams, there's too many dreams. So no matter what, you're going to have to accept that there are some amazing things you just won't have time to do. That you won't. You will die before you do every awesome thing. And that is a, a part of just accepting impermanence, accepting death, um, accepting that, accepting loss, the loss of potentials that when you choose one path in life, you're foregoing another path that might have been equally rewarding. So this leads into what my word for the year is, which is accept, because I'm trying to be better at accepting what my life is. And yeah, you've had a tough emotional uh, transition. Having here. the second baby has been a little hard for me because like what we're doing right now, both of us in the vocal booth talking to you, it feels like an eclipse. Like it feels like the, the the sun and the moon have to align just right on this and they, one time a year. Yes, and where, they where did. Where both kids are napping. <laughs> yep, and we tried to do this yesterday, yeah. and we couldn't because one one kid was up while the other was down, and we just couldn't. I know. Do it. We got twenty minutes into a recording, and then just we had to stop. And I started to get frustrated because I, you know, just let me do this one thing. It'll take 30 minutes, you know, and I couldn't do the thing I wanted to do. Uh, but thankfully, I had pinned accept up above <laughs> the computer and I'm. Can you uh, can yeah. you make it accept with a smile? Accept with a smile. I mean, I I drew some stars on there. <laughs> it's a cheerful accept. <laughs> you know, we're we're all on that. Yeah. Well, this is my journey for the year. <laughs> okay. Having two small children is my life, mm -hmm. and it's there's beautiful, amazing parts about that, and there are other parts about that that have historically been a thorn in my side mm -hmm. because I am a productive. Person. Motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, I'm a productive motherfucker. I like to get shit done. I feel good when I get shit done. Mm -hmm. And my ability to get shit done has been severely impacted. And it feels like a drain on my fulfillment in life to have, you know, a dozen tasks half sit done. Sit on the, yeah. yeah, yeah, sit on the to-do list for a week on end. I yeah. know. So I'm accepting that. I'm accepting... All the dreadful things that are coming in 2024. Oh, man. Should we talk about that for a second? Yeah, so I'm going to be on trial again. Mm. That's a big one. I'm not dreading that, though, weirdly. I'm... <sighs> You're probably dreading the... Dealing with the media and the paparazzi yeah, in Italy. No, I don't want to deal with that. But the idea of going up there and testifying as like horrid sounding as that is, I also feel like of all the times in my life when I'm finally ready to do that, I am finally ready to do that. So I feel I feel excited is not the word. I I just feel the sense of 
poise of of mm. being prepared and looking forward to the opportunity, even though it is going to be very challenging emotionally. Yeah. There's also the upcoming election, which I just wish wasn't happening. Or I, <laughs> I wish the landscape looked any other way than it looks. I obviously don't love the idea of another Trump presidency. I think Biden is, I'm skeptical of his ability to defeat Trump. Yeah, which is unfortunate because, honestly, he's been able to get more stuff done than I thought he was going to be able to get done. He's also very old. He's just so old. And I think that's a real issue. A lot of our, you know, powerful politicians are way too old in my book. So aside from that, the other candidates aren't promising either. I haven't seen a field of, oh, I wish it was this guy, you know. I know. RFK I feel Jr. like no one in their you know, right mind wants to be president, and that's the problem. So I'm really not looking forward to the upcoming election cycle. Beyond that, there's AI, which really had a big year in 2023 hmm. with ChatGPT and Dolly and MidJourney, and it's moving very quickly. And I've been crowing about AI since 2016 or so. I think really when I read Nick Bostrom's book, Superintelligence, and I feel like the crowd of dismissers who have been shouting about, oh, this is, you know, this is ages away, or, you know, people always find new jobs. Mm. That's what they always did before. And I've been like, yeah, you know, I don't think you're thinking this through. Remember when they you said know? they'll be prompt engineers, and it's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> so... You know, tech has already gone through a bunch of big layoffs. More layoffs are coming. But, you know, jobs like ours are going to be gone soon. Yeah. I think a lot of writing jobs have already disappeared. If you're a copywriter, if you're, you know, writing for advertising, that, you know, if you do graphic design, um, those jobs are disappearing quickly. And what's going to be left in their place? You know, especially if we hit artificial general intelligence, which some argue we're, we're very, very close, that can do anything a human can do, as versatile, as creative, et cetera, and yet you can make thousands and thousands or millions of copies of that intelligence, run them at the same time, and run them at a faster rate, crank up the speed at which it, the program runs, and that virtual intelligence can say, get you know, a thousand years worth of work done in a single year, right? So that's going to have gigantic impacts on the economy, on society, on elections. Already we're seeing minor impacts from things like deep fakes and misinformation are skyrocketing. Which Did is, you hear you know, about um, in, I think, was this in Korea, South Korea? There was there was a politician who used AI to do all of his social media campaigning, mm. and people just really thought his AI was very charming, and so they voted for him because his they knowingly knowing huh. that it was an AI substitute for him, uh-huh. which was kind of genius. Well, this is also the place where people are already used to being fans of virtual pop stars, right? Right. So, yeah, I think that. My prediction is that the way out of this, one of the ways, is universal basic income. You need to decouple human value from labor. 
because human labor is going to become increasingly worthless compared to artificial intelligent labor. And there will be a premium on hand, in the same way there's a premium on handmade goods today. This was not made in a factory or by a machine. It was hand-woven by a tribesman somewhere, right? That idea that a handmade good has value simply because human hands touched it. I think we'll see more of that. And in particular, I think we'll see a, a sort of branded version of that, which I don't necessarily love this vision of the future, but I think fortunately for Amanda, she's in a position where, you know, as much as an AI might be able to churn out, say, a random true crime podcast, and, you know, this is gonna happen, I think, sooner than most people think, and it'll be a believable sounding human voice, it'll be written by AI, It'll all happen and it'll be gripping and it'll be well-written, right? Be ready for a flood of serials. But that's still just a invented person who doesn't have a real history and backstory, who doesn't a have a brand, stake. right? So there's going to be personality-driven content. I'm. Can we get off of AI? Yeah. You can just talk forever about AI. I love you. Who um, should we bring on the podcast to talk about AI? Suggestions? I would also like to talk to someone about climate. Mm. I mean, I'm, you know, slow to the bandwagon on this, but I am concerned about climate and its impact on all of us socially. Mm -hmm. So, and a part of me is like, why am I not growing all of my own food yet? If I have the land, shouldn't I be doing that? Yeah. Isn't that more sustainable? And why am I buying $30 worth of almonds? You, Isn't do you that need horrible? to stop. Yes, you definitely <laughs> need to stop doing that. Well, I don't know. This is why society feels increasingly unstable, I think, because not only do we have two major wars going for the first time in a while. Ugh, it's um, so depressing. And we have climate change proceeding apace, and we have AI on the horizon, and we have the rise of nationalism and right wing totalitarianism. Uh, and left-wing totalitarianism. Yeah, I was about to say. Um, you know, the political climate is not great, and it's only going to get worse because of misinformation and echo chambers. And then we have the problem of mass population displacements and civil unrest that comes from climate change. And the political systems we have are not in a good, healthy place to be able to handle all of that. So I think it's going to be a turbulent, I think turbulent is like the new normal, hmm. unfortunately. So are we looking forward to anything? Can we end this on a positive note? Hmm. <laughs> I mean, the other thing about AI is it's also our potential savior. Okay, you know? enough about AI. I'm talking about us. We have some really um, awesome projects in the works still. Mm. Um, Which you will find out about hopefully very soon. Yeah, stand by, I promise. There's some fun stuff that are very imminently in the works. <laughs> and what else? I'm looking forward to getting sleep again mm. at some point and not having my boobs be sucked on for multiple times a day. <laughs> Other than that, what's a good thing that's happening in the world that we get to look forward to? 2024, our, our wedding anniversary. Yeah. The actual because we got married on Leap Day 2020. So by the time we hit February 29th, 
we will have endured four years of pandemic, basically. (laughs) (laughs) Slash marriage. Yeah. (laughs) Good for us. Wow. It's already been four years of marriage. I know. For anyone who feels like, whoa, those four years went by quickly and yet dragged on forever. Maybe you have some insight into Amanda's prison experience. Yeah, that is precisely what it's like. (laughs) I think we need to be adaptable. As much as all that stuff we enumerated sounds dreadful, you know, we just brought two young lives into this world. And I did, I made that decision with you very intentionally, Mm -hmm. knowing and believing that it was going to be a turbulent future. Mm-hmm. But I'm also optimistic that we're a very adaptable species and that in our little family unit here, we're both pretty multi-class characters with a wide variety of skills. And I'm hoping that we're going to be able to adapt to the changing landscape. And I think that's, and I'm hoping that for humanity too, because I think we're going to have to. We're going to all have to be very adaptable. And we it's at our peril if we're not. So on that note, thanks for continuing to follow us. We're going to keep pumping out interesting uh, material over here. Well, I think the nap eclipse window is about to end. So. Yeah. I'm looking at the baby who's squirming. Yeah. It's been a pleasure sharing this last year with you, and we're looking forward to more. And... Please, you know the drill. Like, follow, subscribe. Tell your friends. Tell your friends. We've been surviving by word of mouth and slowly, slowly growing this podcast. We could still use your help to get more people aware of the magic that is Labyrinths. Thanks, everyone. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Buon anno. Fun fact, for every hour of labyrinths you enjoy, we put in dozens of hours researching, outreaching, interviewing, scripting, editing, and audio engineering. What keeps us going? Coffee. Coffee. So if you're enjoying labyrinths, please buy us a coffee. Head over to patreon.com slash Knox Robinson, where you can make a monthly donation. Thanks for getting lost with us.